Yeah. Uh, no, let's say you've been to 2005, Connor. What did you go into? What was your remit at that particular time? And where was the charity foundation at that time? It was obviously uh, a couple of years down the line. Um, I would say it was finding its feet. And when I joined, I think one of the, the first things I was tasked with doing was to to rebrand the foundation and to develop a, a sustainable strategy. Sure. Um, I think it was difficult at that time to to have the predictable income from different fundraising and engagement events because at that time we were not doing any of the community engagement projects. We were um, working with the fans, raising money and then funding different projects and also um, helping the wider Rangers family but also responding to requests that, that we'd come in to the club for raffle and auction items for causes close to people's hearts. So it was just trying to build up a portfolio of regular uh, events and engagement that, that we could really work hard to boost the income over time so that we could help more people. Mm -hmm. So it's evolved over the, over the period? Hugely, yeah. I mean, when I joined, I was the only member of staff. I was based in the PR office and we had um, support um, from from the PR staff to help the foundation move forward. So gradually we built your team, built the team yeah. up and, um, and it's a fantastic team today. I mean, I have mm, to say fantastic, that. Fantastic, yeah. Um, and I know that, that both of you, you know, know most of the team um, mm. from from the mm. work that you've done with mm. us. Connell, so when you go back to that original, you're like a one-man band. How difficult was it? Because the one thing I do know is the Rangers fans are very generous and they are in harmony. The football club and the foundation work in unison. And how frustrating must it have been right at the beginning to the way you were looking at the project? Or did you just see it as a challenge, Connell? I mean, the reason I took the job on was the challenge to develop a new strategy. That was the attraction to me is to be able to to put my own stamp on things, sure. not from an arrogant point of view, but just because I do like challenges. And, you know, maybe oh, we'll talk yeah. about that later yeah. with, the, you know, other types of challenges. I think... Uh, you had a blank canvas, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So you had, you must have had that image in your mind how you wanted it to go but at certain stages obviously over the over the club's recent history it must have been frustrating to try and get it there as quickly as you had envisaged in your mind very i mean my motivation is to make a difference for people and also to to have a team that is focused on doing that but making sure that we do things in a really excellent way you know really high quality that we're doing things where there's a genuine need yes. not just for a pr purpose mm -hmm. um and PR is important um, because I think there's so much to be proud of yes. in what goes on off the pitch. And I think... The level of professionalism. Yeah, yeah. I think I think even more broadly, I don't think it's recognised enough what organisations like ourselves and others across the country are doing in their communities. Um, and sometimes the narrative can focus on the negative when actually there's an incredible amount of good work, amount yeah. of good work that's been done and the club is fully behind that. Yeah, I think it, in general football clubs and charity foundations, it's always kept away from headlines. And I, I don't understand that. You know, what football clubs and football players do and actually do in their own free time, as well as a, a charity foundation, it's never well publicised by anybody apart from their own in-house. Yeah, in-house. I, I find it absolutely flabbergasting that people don't report on good things that football clubs are doing. Yeah. I mean, I think, especially in this last year, I think a lot of people want to focus on good news stories and not on not negative stories or sensationalism. Um, I mean, I can only speak for myself, but that we have so many positive stories to tell about the foundation's work. Football does come first. Um, you know, we're the club's official charity and 
you know, we have to work in harmony in order to pick and choose our times when we can champion that work more publicly. But um, yeah, we've come on an amazing journey um, over the last 16 years, certainly since I've been there. And there were, just going back to what you were saying, Mark, some, you know, really tough challenges because there were lots of changes of leadership at the club. Or lack and of leadership. <laughs> Listen, we're here, yeah, can I keep yeah. it? Well, what well, a you might say that, today. but I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> and, you know, I think my vision was to be able to bring everything under one umbrella, all the community work, the fundraising, the charity partnerships, so that we can really celebrate that charitable activity on behalf of the club together. But it needed the right time and the right leadership to be able to make that case and then to see the project through. So that's yeah. that's Con- something Connell, we are in. Um, Mark and I have been on various excursions with yourself. Mm-hmm. Give us a flavour of the thinking behind some of these trips. You know, as an example, you do the 200 kilometres across and, you know, minus 28 on a frozen lake. It was bizarre. You do Kilimanjaro. You do really strenuous stuff as well. So give us a flavour of the more extreme ones because I, I find it fascinating and more so because of... Testing you, situations well, there. Oh, it's just, yeah. the, the, believe me. And, and the one thing about it, Connor, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, is you always take part, which I absolutely love because it's okay for a guy like yourself to go up there and go, give us your money. We're, we're, we're investing in the community um, work. We're investing in international UNICEF and things like that. But let's get down to the nitty gritty. Who, who, who persuades you to do this? Is myself. I mean, I think from a very early age, I've always wanted to push myself, push boundaries physically and mentally. And I think when I was in my late teens, I got on Operation Rally, which was an international expedition. I went away to the jungle in South America for three months. Unbelievable things happened there. It was... Um, sorry, sorry, I'm just buttoning in there because I went on a three-month excursion as well. I went deeper into the East End of Glasgow, Barry. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that I managed well, to get... I, I, cho- I chose the easy route by going away to South America. Survival so instincts. What, what, what's the jungle? What was the name of the jungle? It, it was Amazon? In, yeah, it was the wow. edge of the Amazon. And uh, I think what I'm saying is, from experience, I know that these kind of things for me have been really formative life experiences, things that you can make amazing friendships you build lasting memories and you do things that you didn't think you might be Possible. capable of. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really empowering and, and strengthening for sure. the future. And so it's something periodically, mainly through personal challenges that I've tried to do. And, you know, that what a fantastic time um, Stop it. that we had I know in, going in, uh, Mark. in Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were up in Finnmark well, in the north of Norway and Alec was what there. What was the and, temperature? Was it minus 25, yeah, 28? Easily. I mean, it, it was that temperature where you know you throw water up and it froze and and i think they call it diamond dust when it gets yeah, below minus yeah. 20 it's like the whole air is tingling with di- diamonds it's amazing what a bit like sun. glasgow in april yeah i don't know if it was yourself but some of them were saying oh you know where's the blizzards weather where's the, the rubbish weather this is far too easy because it was very sunny and then um, we changed it and then out of nowhere overnight this blizzard blew up and everybody got Connell, absolutely hammered Connell, do, you know, do you know what it was Martin Bain for the first couple of days it was a glorious yeah. sunny day but it was maybe still about minus 17 and we're going to cross these glaciers it was stunning wasn't it Connell yeah. you know you've, you've got these Your five, dogs, five dogs on, seriously five dogs on. you're coasting <laughs> And because of it, the conditions were so fair, we were reaching our accommodation, so we're having to hit a certain period within about 20 miles, 25 miles per day with these dogs pulling you. 
and we got there very early and, you know, we're sitting going, my God, if this is going to be like this for the next couple of days, you know, we were sitting in, in, in these accommodations where we had to provide food, we had to put the heating, we had to get the fires up and running. And we asked the guy who was the, the team leader if it would be possible, could he throw in a wee curveball for us to make it? He says, well, listen, the weather is what it is, right? The next day... <laughs> Couldn't see your hand in front of your face, I bet. Honestly, there was a crosswind and we were going yep. we to cross a frozen uh, lake. Yep. There was people holding on, Mark, getting pulled with the dogs across the lake on their sides. And, and but you just didn't let go because if you let go, the dogs would be off and you had to walk for miles before you could get these dogs again. So it was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was, it was scary as well. I, I, I found it, you say, it's exhilarating. I, I can't believe you've not invited me back to one like that again. I suppose. <laughs> Do you, know, do you know the funny thing about that is, and this is true, Mark, we were going out and feeding the dogs about like six o'clock in the morning. It was still dark. Feeding them fish. Connell, what was it like? You know, you've got these dogs, maybe about 70, 80 dogs going mental because you knew the food was there and you're just trying to put this, this food down the there and they're jumping all over you. To listen to the full podcast, subscribe at 1010podcasts.com.